Hello, 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 good day, and welcome to another episode of After School History. I am, as always, your genial host, Anthony J. Ashitino. And I know that some of you might be a little surprised when you see the uh, title for the latest um, podcast. Uh, you were expecting World War II to continue on in the lines, and I do promise we will get there. We definitely will get there. Um, I've got so much, I mean, uh, you know, World War II, much like World War I, World War II, I could turn into it, I could do a 10-part podcast, each podcast lasting an hour, and it would barely do justice to it. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to do that just because, uh, you know, I, I understand that, you know, for most people, you know, they want what we, uh, you know, lovingly call the Reader's Digest version. Okay, I, I want to hit the major points. I want to get things across. That's why I did World War One in three episodes. World War Two, you know, I'll probably do in three, maybe four. I think, um, you know, there's there's a little more as far as because it, unlike World War One, it really is kind of global in that you got Japan, you know, wreaking havoc. And I understand. I know people are like, well, what about Germany and Africa and what's going on in the subcontinent? I get it, I get it, but, you know, there there is that whole, especially with the United States, the fighting over in the Far East, and, and China, of course, you know, who are looking at people and going, oh, that's cute that you guys think that fighting in the East started in 1941, okay, that's really cute. But anyway, today I wanted to talk, because I've been getting a lot of questions as an historian, um, I've been getting a lot of questions about some of the things that the President of the United States Donald J. Trump has uh, said recently uh, via his Twitter, uh, in particular, one tweet where, well, there's two things, but the one tweet in particular is the one where he suggested delaying the election. Um, That, when I tell you, uh, (laughs) I got more uh, messages that day from people. I mean, I, you know, out of the woodwork, people I haven't talked to in a long time. Wait, wait a minute. Wait, what's going on here? Can he do that? Um, you know, uh, and and the other issue, which kind of goes hand in hand with this a little bit, is the issue about mail-in ballots. Uh, and we'll get to that one. But I, I really wanted to. You, in the United States of America, since the founding of the nation, uh, we have not delayed elections. Elections were not delayed uh, in 1864. In the, it was getting towards the end of uh, the bloody civil war that was fought here in the United States uh, between the secessionist Confederate states and between the, the states that remained loyal to the Union. Uh, and in fact, and I'll get to it in a few minutes, uh, one of the, the great things was what Lincoln basically forced his ca- cabinet to do as a result. We'll get that out in a minute. Uh, elections were not delayed in 1944. Again, in the middle of World War II. Uh, middle of World War II. It was, it was towards the end, but still, there was a world war going on. Uh, 1940, there was a world war going on, but the United States was not yet involved in it. But to, to suggest that COVID is a reason to delay elections um, on its surface... Or the idea that, uh, you know, it's because of mail-in ballots. Um, This is something, number one, that's utterly laughable on its surface. But number two, it's really problematic. People had issues because in the United States, 
One of the things that, uh, you know, American citizens have always prided themselves on has been the electoral system. Now, lately, that system has taken a beating, um, and it's taken a beating because, you know, recently you've had a situation, uh, I mean, you know, in, in recent elections, presidential elections, um, you know, you've had uh, twice uh, in the last five elections, six elections, uh, the, the person who won the popular vote lost the election. Now, the, the getting into the whole debate about the Electoral College, I mean, we could have that debate. We can have that debate all night long. I don't want to get into it because, you know what, the rules are the rules and, uh, you know, that's that. Um, but the bottom line is that elections have always been held. And what's even more important is that the party who lost the election gave way. Now, um, obviously, we've had a couple of elections that have, uh, you know, we had one that went to the House, okay, uh, the early 1800s, and we had one uh, that eventually ended up with a broker deal that ended Reconstruction in the 1870s. But the bottom line is that at a point, the loser, and, and I mean that only in the sense of the person who lost the election, the loser acknowledged that they had lost. Um, you know, in 2000, uh, it went to the courts. And Al Gore, after a while, I mean, you know, it went to the Supreme Court and Al Gore's campaign could have could have probably continued fighting in other avenues, but they decided, you know what, it's best for the country. This is not going to go anywhere. Supreme Court's now ruled on things, on the recount in Florida. And, uh, we're, you know, we're just going to, for the, the, the betterment of the country, for the sake of saying we have to move on, it's December already, you know, George W. Bush, congratulations, good luck, you know, uh, running the country. Now, in 2016, then-candidate Trump caused uh, an uproar and a half uh, when he said, uh, when asked, would you accept the results of the election, that depends on what the results are. Um, this at the time was seen as absolutely, you know, it was like, oh my God, this is the most insane thing that's ever been said in the history of insane things in American politics. Um, and, and I think he did, he loved it because it got people talking. It made him this kind of the, the renegade that he was cultivating, the populist character that he was cultivating. It played right into that. I was like, yeah, no, who knows? Elections, you know, I think it's going to be a fraudulent election. (laughs) So, as it turns out, the election came in. Uh, he did lose the popular vote by over 3 million, but he won the electoral vote. And in American presidential politics, that's all that matters, okay? You could lose by 10 million popular votes, win the electoral vote, and you've got it. You're president. In fact, I, 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 um, it, and we'll see what happens after the next census, but... You know, you could end up winning 12 states in the United States out of the 50 and win the presidency. So you could win 12 states and your opponent could win uh, 38 states. And no matter what the popular vote is, you, you and you could lose by 15 million popular votes and only win 12 out of 30, you win the election. Okay. And there are some people that have a real problem with that. They do. And, and I, I mean, that's, that's the subject of a whole nother podcast, I think, is talking about the Electoral College. I know I've spoken about it before, but it's definitely, 
you know, talking about, well, what can we do to change that um, uh, to make things more fair? I mean, you shouldn't have you, you shouldn't have it where a small minority is dictating things to the majority. I mean, that's you, know, you shouldn't have the majority in a sense dictating things to the minority either. It, it should be some kind of a, an even balance. And that's what the founders of the country tried to do, you know, uh, ironically enough. With the whole, you know, the system of having the Senate and and, and House as two different, you know, um, uh, two different chambers in Congress. But anyway, you're just getting back to this. So, again, Donald Trump is bringing out, President Trump is bringing out of the playbook. He's getting, getting going for the oldies with goldies. And again, he said, you know, uh, you know I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with this election. And one of the main things he's talking about is talking about fraud. He's talking about with mail-in ballots, okay, because there are different kinds of ballots. In the United States, there are different ways you can vote. Obviously, you can show up uh, at your your uh, polling station on the day of. They usually open fairly early in the morning um, so people can go to them either before work, and they're open until, depending on the state, you know, it's 7, 8 o'clock at night. Um, I believe New Jersey is 8 o'clock. I have to double check that. I mean, I, I always vote before, you know, well before that anyway. But the bottom line is that, you know, the, and the thing is that if you're online when that time. So, for example, if I'm online at 8 o'clock, I still get to vote. Okay. They cut it off. If you show up at 8.10, you don't get to vote. All right. You missed it. But if you're online at 8 o'clock, all right, even if it takes until 10.30, because the line is around the corner, it's it's you know a, a Disney World line uh, in the you know middle of uh, uh, July and August. You still get to vote. Now, other ways you can vote are absentee ballot and mail-in ballot. Now, an absentee ballot is simply saying, "Listen, I'm not going to be in the country at this time, or I'm not going to be." It doesn't even have to be not in the country. You could say, "Listen, I'm being sent on uh, a job. I'm a consultant." And I've been assigned a job that I'm going to be out in San Francisco for two months. I cannot, I will not be in New Jersey to vote in person. You request an absentee ballot, okay? And that's where you fill out and I want to vote for whoever it is. And then you mail it in and that's that. Mail-in ballots are simply, hey, um, I want to mail this in instead of having to get to the polling station. Now, there are advantages to that. One of the main advantages to the mail-in ballot is that, um, you know, now when I show up in my hometown to vote, maybe I'll have three or four people ahead of me, okay? Ten minutes, not even. I think the longest I've ever waited is ten minutes to vote, okay? However, in certain parts of the United States, what's happened is that polling stations have closed down. So, for example... You might only have one polling station that 20,000 people uh, are reporting to. That means you could have lines of three, four hours waiting, five hours waiting to vote. And, you know, there are some people who it's like, I'm going to, you know, I work in the area. I'll go during my lunch break to vote. Okay. You know, I have buddies near where I work. They live close enough to uh, the places they teach in, that they literally could, during a lunch break, they could fire over, boom, vote, and get out. But if you don't, if you work, 
you know, all day long. And then all of a sudden it's like, I got kids and I've got a family and I've worked, you know, I've just put in eight hours and now I'm going to go and stand in line for four and a half hours so I can vote. Um, that's a problem. Uh, and ironically, um, it's not always accidental that that happens. Uh, it is intentional in some cases. And you're going to have this debate all day long, but the bottom line is it's just, you know, it seems really ironic that uh, in, in a lot of places, in cities, in areas that have large minority populations in the United States, the polling stations get pared down. So the idea of a mail-in ballot means that it, you don't have to wait for those five hours. You can get the mail-in ballot, fill it out, boom, send it in. What this also does, though, is this drives up voter participation in the sense that you'll get more people who will do it if it's something that could be done. I mean, heck, if you could do voting online, which never, ever, ever would be done because the possibility of hacking that stuff, I mean, for crying out loud, if we announced we were going to do a national election voting, uh, you know, without question, there are multiple countries, I can think of off the top of my head, that would immediately put their... Uh, you know, their hacker division of intelligence on full throttle, figure out a way to manipulate the votes, okay? Um, so you, you, you don't want to do that. But the mail-in ballots, many states in the United States have done them for years with no fraud at all. Um, they're counted in front of people uh, just as a regular vote. It's not a, it's not a provisional ballot. It's not something... Um, I went one time to vote, and they were like, oh, someone all, like signed in for you. And I was like, well, it wasn't me. So I had to cast a provisional ballot and I had to show, you know, all this other stuff. Um, But anyway, mail-in ballots are a great way to get people to vote. Now, um, there are certain factions in this country that are claiming that mail-in ballots are going to be fraudulent. And therefore, that any time there are mail-in ballots, uh, there's the possibility that there could be fraud. Well, the United States military allows... All of our soldiers who are serving overseas or who are stationed, uh, if, if you haven't uh, moved your place, you know, if you're, let's say, you're overseas in uh, Afghanistan, um, you're not living there. You know, you're living in uh, North Carolina. And so you're allowed to fill out an absentee ballot, voting by mail. Um, we've never had any complaints about that. We've never had any complaints about fraud, widespread fraud in the military. People paying off soldiers to buy their votes and and get votes in. Uh, So there's really no reason to suspect that there would be any kind of fraud. But again, once you plant the seed, then everything goes that way. Uh, You know, it it just becomes a case of people pick it up and they're like, oh, did you hear that there's going to be massive fraud? There's going to be any. Now, getting back to this issue of the president not accepting the results, um, you know, and, and delaying the elections. First of all, the president does not have the power to delay elections. The date for elections is set by Congress, and the president cannot change that. Furthermore, if elections were to be, which it's not going to happen, but even if for some reason... Congress was to say, okay, we're going to delay elections. Uh, the bottom line is that, uh, you know, on the, on the 21st of January, uh, at 12 o'clock, the president's term ends. 
what that means is that if they manage to push back elections, any senator, any House member is running for re-election, um, it's over. Okay, their term ex- expires. The president's term expires. He's no longer president. We don't have a president in that sense. And then it goes through, and the vice president as well. And it, and then it eventually trickles down to you know who's in the in the chain of command. But the bottom line is that you know you can't just be like well, we're going to, you know, delay uh, the elections. And you know I I know that uh, the current president does take a very broad interpretation of uh, executive powers and executive privilege. Um, but this is something that I mean even Mitch McConnell. Uh, you know, came out and said, no, this is, this is not going to happen. Um, and when Mitch McConnell is unwilling to back uh, a Republican, and I say that only because the president is a Republican name, a Republican initiative, it, it ain't going to happen, okay? Uh, no one wants to be that, that Congress, which okays the first delay in voting in history, uh, the history of the country. Also, uh, an interesting fact is that uh, President Lincoln, uh, up until almost right on the the elections, <clears throat> there was a real question about whether or not President Lincoln would win re-election. Uh, George McClellan, who was running against him, was running on a peace initiative, and there was a lot of pressure on Lincoln to maybe suspend the elections, you know, we're in the middle of a civil war here. Uh, already hundreds of thousands of lives have been lost. Like, and McClellan was very clear he was going to basically seek a peace deal with the South. They would have been allowed to have their own country. He's going to stop the Civil War. And a lot of Lincoln's guys were like, dude, you can't do this, man. Come on. Then this makes everything we fought for up until this point. I mean, like, well, you know, how do you explain then, you know, the 200,000 plus dead soldiers? And Lincoln's response, as only Lincoln could say, basically, was just like, listen, um, I don't care. Not, I don't care about the soldiers. I don't care about the fact that you can make these excuses up. I am going to adhere to the law and to the Constitution. And he made all of his uh, cabinet members, of course, sign off that they would agree in the case that he lost that they would not put up any uh, stumbling blocks for the uh, the incoming president, uh, which is amazing, you know. But Lincoln was like, "Listen, you know, if we're not going to listen to the will of the people, then what type of a show are we running here? That we don't have a democracy anymore, you know. The whole point of a democracy is that it's the will of the people. And before I get, you know, the people come up, well, we don't have a democracy, we have a republic. No, we have." A democracy. The democracy is exercised in the form of a republic. Okay, but at the end of the day, it is a democracy. Democracy, literally, the will of the people, and the will of the people is upheld. It's just that we in, we appoint surrogates, if you will, to carry out our voices. But again, it, it's not you know, it's it's not like one of these the House of Lords. Where, you know, you got appointed and you didn't have to win election to it and it didn't matter what you did because no one was removing you. Or in ancient Rome, 
you know, where you would end up, be, you know, becoming a, a senator and you weren't, you know, there were elections in ancient Rome, yes, but there were other positions where you just basically got appointed and you were there for life, you know, ex-magistrates and the like. But anyway, I, I, I digress here. My point is that there isn't going to be any delayed election and the president does not have the ability to do that. And I think that this is just, again, it's, it's just, um, you know, it, it is President Trump throwing up this argument because it's also laying the groundwork for a legal challenge. Um, it used to be when I was younger, you used to stay up on election night. That was kind of, you know, I know those of you know me and have followed my blog, I know you think of me as this, you know, debonair, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, cool, calm, collected, and just, you know, the, the ultimate, you know, suave character. Uh, but, you know, election night when I was younger was like the Super Bowl, okay? Uh, for me, it was like, oh my God, oh my God, they're going to bring in the Pennsylvania results. You know, I was that kind of a kid, you know, that, that's, listen, I don't make any, any uh, uh, apologies about it at all. Um, you know, the fact that I was that into politics ended up leading me to where I am right now, making a good living as a teacher. So, you know, whatever. But that's the thing. I don't know that we're going to have the results this year on the night of. Unless, and this is a big unless, unless uh, Biden or Trump carries a bunch of states that are critical for them early. So, for example, uh, and I, it, it, it plays more into Biden's hands than it does into Trump's. And this is what I mean by that. If Biden wins, let's say, just for argument's sake, if the results come in for North Carolina, North Carolina goes to Biden, Georgia, Florida, Ohio, if Biden clears those states, Biden is going to win the election, okay? No question about it. Now, on the other hand, if Trump wins those states, he's going to win the election. The issue is just that, you know, Trump, all Trump needs to do, and I say this every time I talk about an election, all Trump has to do is win the states that he won last time. He doesn't have to win more states. In fact, he could probably lose uh, He could lose a couple, but that's about it, depending on which ones we're talking about. But it's up to Biden and the Democrats. They're the ones that have to flip states, okay? Trump does not. If Trump does the same thing he did in 2016, he wins re-election. So having said that, you know, I think that what's going to happen is you're going to see um, you're going to see massive legal challenges to the election because a lot of these mail-in ballots, uh, you know, there's going to be delays in what's going on. Um, you know, unfortunately, right now, there are people that are trying to slow down the post office and the efficiency of the post office, um, you know, treating it like a business. It's not. It can run at a, a deficit. It can run at a negative um, you know, it's, it's a social service, okay? The post office exists for a reason. So, um, but that's, it's going to be very interesting. And I think that what's going to happen is that you're going to see, um, I, I, I do feel that, I think if, if Biden loses, if it's apparent that Biden has lost, um, I think he'll, he'll acknowledge the defeat, uh, I do not feel that President Trump will acknowledge a loss, even if it's declared on that night. Uh, you know, if, if everyone declares that, that you know, the, the election's over, President-elect Joe Biden, um, I don't think Trump will accept it. I think he will launch legal challenges 
And, uh, you know, who knows what could happen then? I mean, you know, once you go into the courts, it's a whole nother story. It's a horse of a different color. And that could get a little messy. And in the meantime, you're going to have a lot of issues because you're going to have, you know, I mean, President-elect Biden, if that were the case. I'm not saying he's going to win. I'm just saying if he believes he's won, he would need to start putting together you know, a transition team and then start getting ready so that, uh, the, you know, on inauguration day, he can hit the ground running. Uh, you know, and it's going to be a lot more difficult if you're simultaneously fighting off legal challenges to the validity of your election. So uh, it, it's going to be very, very interesting. And unfortunately, I think what it's going to eventually do is it's going to it's going to sow a lot of doubt in the electoral process. It's going to make a lot of people wonder if we're actually doing things properly here. Is it the right way? Uh, you know, again, once you throw that out that it's like, well, this is a lot of illegal voting going on here. People take that to heart and, and people believe it, whether it's true or not. Okay. And so, you know, again, in the history of the United States, there have been so few cases of voter fraud, um, which is a major felony, that it's almost, I mean, when you talk about percentages based on votes counted, it's probably something like one ten millionth of a percentage. I mean, you, you, know, you end up with like five cases out of, uh, you know, 130 million votes counted. Um, and this is one election, and there have been elections where you haven't had any. So, I mean, we're talking about over the course of 20 years, maybe, you have a dozen cases, and that's with, you know, over a billion votes counted, um, you know, over that time. So, anyway, it should be a very interesting scenario nonetheless, but I just wanted to give you this, you know, a, a clear explanation of what's going on um, and, and where we stand with things, um, you know, what the president's abilities are and what, what he can and can't do in this case what Congress does, and why I think you're reading some of these things, um, you know, why I think the president's doing this stuff. I mean, like I said, it, it worked in 2016. Why not pull it out again? I mean, you, you can't blame him for that. You know, he's, he's going to the playbook that worked, and uh, he's going to try and replicate things. Um, I don't know that it will in 2020. I think that the, the, the landscape has changed very considerably, and there are a lot of other things right now that we're dealing with, for example, a pandemic. So, you know, there's that. But I guess we're all going to find out as we get closer and closer to November, and then we'll all know, you know, hopefully within a couple of days of November. You know, again, like I said, <laughs> I don't know that we're going to know that night, but uh, but I'll be staying up nonetheless. I'll do a special podcast for the election. Should be should be pretty darn entertaining. Anyway, as always, um, please do feel free to contact me. Questions, comments, uh, anything that you'd like to say about the, uh, the podcast, suggestions for the future. Um, if, if nothing else happens uh, in the next week that's extremely uh, crazy, I'm going to do another episode uh, about World War II. Um, so I hope you will join me for that one. Uh, in the meantime, as always, I can be found after school history at Antonius Optimus on Instagram. Um, that's, that's just how we roll. Uh, in the meantime, I hope everyone is staying safe. Please do continue to follow social distancing. Please wear a mask if you're going out. And if you don't have to go out, don't. But if you do, just be safe. Wash your hands. 
use, you know, use the, uh, the hand sanitizer and, uh, just, just be safe and be well and be good to one another, be kind to one another. You know, we need a lot more of that in this world right now. Until we speak again, my dear friends, bye-bye.